Good morning, everyone, uh, Warriors and board members. This is from the War Room to the Boardroom podcast episode. We're focusing on transition. And today we have our guest, Ms. Natasha Clinton. I'm your host, Mayshawn Wilson, Strategic Deals Biz Ops at Apple, Combat Veteran, Duke MBA in West Pointer. Natasha will be talking to us today about preparing transition, her transition into academia and then tech HR. Natasha is currently an HR business partner at Hover. Uh, after spending time as an AG officer and the head outreach officer at West Point, she was a program officer for Cornell's leadership program and did leadership coaching. She's a graduate of both West Point and Cornell University in South Third Delay, Natasha Clinton. Oh, thank you. Oh, I sound important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for those that don't know, Natasha, she's my boss. Uh, good times. Good times. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to bring, I wasn't even going to mention it. I was going to say, you know, we used to work together at West Point. That's the way I like to frame it. Like I used to partner with folks. I used to work with folks. We were on the same team. <laughs> Bringing in America's best and brightest. That's what we spent spent years doing. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Natasha, for our, our listeners who don't know much about you, kind of tell them, you know, one, who you are, how you kind of came to the military, and a little bit about your background. Yeah, it's a great question. My dad was in the military. And so he was on active duty was a communications guy for a bit and then went into, um, I think they call them career counselors now. So recruiting, I know just the, the, we moved around quite a bit in the military. And so lived, living on military bases, not living on military bases, for example, like I went to high school um, in Brooklyn, New York. My dad was the first sergeant at that MEP center and did JROTC. And so I, the military was not unfamiliar to me. And I actually think it was an outreach, an outreach officer that came to my high school, pitched West Point. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then, you know, the rest kind of history from there took off from there. Um, so no stranger to the military. So good family legacy. And you were an AG officer, right? Um, so can you talk it about was. kind of your transition point? Kind of how many years of service were you? And kind of what? What thoughts came to mind in terms of transitioning? Like, what was that genesis? If that makes yeah. sense. Sure. Um, it does. It's uh, a great question. It, so, I graduated from West Point, was AG, which is essentially HR for the military. And uh, I spent the majority of my career overseas. So, a couple years in Korea, then I went to Germany, deployed to Afghanistan, and then had the opportunity to go to graduate school. You know, that was part of like the package deal of going back to, to West Point to do outreach admissions and found myself at Cornell University. Was it, and I tell this I tell this story um, a lot that like I I didn't know what I didn't know until I went to graduate school. You know, and so, for example, I didn't know what investment banking was. I didn't know what a, a catamaran was. I had a classmate who had a catamaran in like Miami or something. And I didn't know what consulting was and marketing. Like, I just, I, I didn't know. I had no awareness of these things, these careers, these opportunities, these companies that existed. I knew that they were there, right? But I didn't know like what, the, what, what it actually meant to work in these spaces. And so graduate school was like my first introduction to a life and a lifestyle outside of the military. I mean, I was a military kid. I went to a military academy. I went in a career in the military. And so for me, there was no doubt in my mind, like, all right, I'm going to go in the military. I'm going to do this for 30, 35 years. And then I'm going to go work for the government or something afterward. Right. 
And so my first like introduction to life outside the military was graduate school. And so when I went back to the army, um, I was at West Point and a lot of things were happening, right? Like the army was doing a reduction in force. Uh, my class was greatly impacted by, by that reduction. I wasn't a part of the reduction, but the very, the following year, you know, I found out that I didn't get promoted. And so here I am not didn't get promoted. I'm pregnant with my first child. I'm armed with this information of, oh, there's things that exist outside of the military. And so instead of staying another year and competing again for promotion, I, I got out. Um, I got out of the military. At the time I was married, we were stationed in Korea, worked as a, a government civilian for a bit and had like this pull, this desire to do more, to be more, to contribute more, to um, I just, I felt like I was restricted in how much I had to give and my ability to give just, I didn't have it there. And so um, a mentor, a, t- a professor, a colleague of mine, uh, Risa Mish, who t- teaches critical and strategic thinking at Cornell University and is, um, and is a graduate of Cornell's law school, phenomenal human being. Um, she posted on LinkedIn about an opportunity to come work at Cornell and leadership development, like leadership programs, helping MBAs, you know, figure out who they want to be as a leader, what gives them excitement about work, what is authentic to them, like just helping partner and and collaborating and and working with students. And I enjoyed working with students at West Point. I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting to work with MBAs, applied and landed that role at Cornell and worked there from 2017 until 2021. Started out developing programming, designing programming, meeting with students one-on-one, and then had the opportunity to go and get certified as an executive coach, which was super fulfilling because part of learning how to be a coach is being coached. And so I was able to unpack just all of this like magic that existed inside of me that I didn't even know was there because there was never an opportunity to tap into it. And so going through coaching... Um, opened up that for me. And then I had a just, and I had some good leaders in the military, but like my manager at Cornell, like she was a phenomenal manager and was the type of, of leader who knew what I was capable of and knew that I didn't see what I was capable of and pushed me to the edge of like my comfort zone to like to stretch and to grow. And gave me an opportunity to to create and co-design an elective with a peer, a a colleague. And then I got to teach MBAs and help them like like in the classroom, actually doing and being the things and learning and growing with with a course and elective for graduate students called Lean Across Differences. And in in that situation, I just learned so much about myself. And so I, I think the... The seed, the the genesis is what for me was was graduate school, and I think the push to to go to graduate school just started with this. General retired Michael Lennington was the one that saw me. We were at the gym in Afghanistan, and I had like an Army Systems Engineering shirt on, and he's just like, "Where'd you get that shirt from?" And I don't know if you know General Lennington. He might have been the commandant like right before you were there at the same time, right? Yeah. Oh man, right. And he played basketball for Army. 
hovering over me at like this abs class in Afghanistan. Where'd you get that shirt from? And I was like, oh, you know, what? went to West Point with assistant engineer. And he just would talk to me. Like I'd see him periodically. He'd check and see how I'm doing. And he was like, you should go back to West Point. We need more leaders, more uh, leaders of color, more women of color like you. Let me talk, let me talk to Deb, uh, Colonel McDonald, who is the director of admissions. And so like Cornell was the the genesis of me, like learning or knowing that things existed outside the army. But I credit like General Lennington for putting an opportunity in front of me, one that I didn't even consider in front of me that I think, you know, was that first domino that like just knocked down the rest of the dominoes. And, and I ended up here. Um, yeah, I know it's pretty long with it. No, <laughs> like, how did we get here? <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. Um, I don't know if you remember this conversation we had in outreach, but during one of those conversations, I was super centered on finance and like some of the conversations we had, you're like, did you consider consulting? Consulting is like outreach. And I was like, oh, wow, I should do that. Yeah. That yeah, was like, you paid to pro- solve, pro- solve problems, right? Like I was like, oh, spark there. Yeah. People have problems, you have a, a skill set, and you get to help them. You get to help them like come up with solutions to the problems and then they have to opt into solving them, right? But like, yeah, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty you know, professional problem solver. Like that's what you that's what you do. So it's pretty neat. Yep. That executive coaching sounds like you hundred percent. And oh, so, <laughs> so can we can you tell us a little about like where you are now? How did yeah. you from Cornell to where you are now at Hover and kind of what do you do at Hover? Yeah, it's a great question. Spring 2020 happened, right? March, coronavirus. You know, we watched um, a man murdered on TV in broad daylight by uh, someone who's charged with protecting and serving. And so all of this, stuff is just happening around us and the the short story is i worked remotely i lived down with my folks in san antonio texas for a bit i moved back to new york my kids were in school and remote work was working for me and getting my kids to and from school was working for me and then it was time to go back to the office five days a week um, every day and it's higher education, right? Like students are paying a premium to be in person face to face with world renowned faculty. Like that is, that is why some of these institutions of higher learning exist, right? In addition to like research, but I didn't realize that I was sprinting, grinding, just making it happen you know, as like a, like a solo mom with two little kids at the time. And you just make it happen. You just do, you don't make excuses. You're just like, ah, some people have, don't have access to resources. And I do, I have a car, I have a, a babysitter, I had a nanny, I have a supportive boss. I have great work-life balance. And it was fine until I wasn't doing that anymore. And I found that I preferred the calmer life, the less stressful life, the less anxious. Am I going to get them to drop off on time to get them to school on time so I can get to work on time? And am I going to, is meeting going to end on time? Like this constant, like, just like running and sprinting. I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. 
don't want to do it anymore. And so when the call to come back full time happened, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I had already made up in my mind. I'm not doing that. I'm going to leave at the end of the academic year. I'm going to move to Texas and I'll figure it out. Like I'll figure it out. And a, a classmate of mine, Jasmine, was working at a, a, a tech company, um, a pretty mature startup. And she's just like, you should explore this path as an opportunity for you. And so I did. Um, I partnered with Breakline Education. It was phenomenal for me. I think I, I had a slight advantage, right? Having gone to grad school, having put a resume together, having interviewed for internships and, and roles and opportunities. And so it was like an easy pass, fast lane directly to these companies. And I was optimizing for culture. And I know that some folks, like they, they want to go to the big names and, and the Fang and, and some of the other companies, which is totally fine. Like, I think that's uh, appropriate. I think it learns so much being in those environments. For me, culture and maximizing, optimizing impact was what I was looking for. And, and it was introduced to this company, Hover. I met with the, the CRO, head of sales. We met for about 30, 45 minutes. And our conversation revolved around what kind of work excites you, brings you joy, what gets you, like, gets you up in the morning. And it was this focus on me as a human being. And like this, like, however, we do exterior home improvement. We are developing some just fascinating technology. But the people in this company are just some of the most brilliant, but kind and authentic and like hustling, but not to the detriment of like your human spirit. Like it's just this like, a, and he, he classified as a wellness company, right? Like we are, we like hacked the wellness company into the exterior home improvement space. And and I met with the, the head of HR and it was just this instant like connection. And she knew that I didn't have startup experience. She knew that I hadn't worked in tech before. But she was able to look at my resume and was able to, in a conversation of getting to know me, knew that I had skills that could be that could come into the organization and to help take the organization to to where it was trying to go. And so yeah, and so now I I am I'm an HR business partner. Um I currently partner with sales and our operations arm. And 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 right now I'm I'm supporting our product team for the time being. But it's just it's fun. Like I get to go to work every day with cool people, brilliant, smart, hardworking talented people and get to play a role in helping shape culture and and leadership and how our managers show up and supporting our individual contributors and and making sure our individual contributors know that they also have like are empowered and have power over like their careers and their growth and their development and it is fun like i we talk about like sunday scaries right i'll get sunday scaries like i'm like i like going to work <laughs> like I enjoy my team. I enjoy the teams I support. I love I love what we're doing and, and the impact we're going to have um, in the world. And, and as leadership, right? My CEO is a former Marine. 
he like the the core essence of leadership shows up like this is really hard and this is the team that can do it like and i believe you can do it and then he lets us go and go do it like it's just it's fascinating a real life case study and like how to lead teams well how to empower teams how to support your team even during tough decisions and and tough situations and experiences and just is it's dope and so, yeah, it's fun. I'm having a good time. So it sounds I don't like... see a world where I go back to nine to five. Like it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it sounds like your experience both at Cornell and at Hover have been a lot more focused on kind of the holistic development of you as a person and kind of yeah. what you're looking for. And so for veterans that are just like getting that exposure where they have that type of flexibility, how would you recommend trying to, you know, approach or navigate that space? Yeah, that's, that is a great question. It's as someone who enjoyed having all elements of my life dictated to me, like what I wore and what time I needed to be up and where I needed to be. And it's like, I don't have to think. I just like autopilot and it just happens. I would just encourage folks to just really take inventory of what what about the things that you do? Do you enjoy? Like, what about, what is it that you actually enjoy? Right? Like, you know, someone can say, well, what does doing leadership development and then HR, those are two different things. And it's like, they are, but like the, the core of that is I enjoy connecting with people and like holding up a mirror and saying like, no, like you can, this is, you can do this. Like, if this is if this is aligned with who who you want to be in the world and what gives you joy and what's exciting and 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 it's fun but it's hard because you grow and you're stretching, you just you really got to take inventory of what what is that for you, and and ask people, like what do I do really well, when when if there was a problem that you needed to be solved and I was the person to solve it, what problem would you put me on? What would you ask me to do? And just start asking and getting and getting really curious about what you like to do. And it's hard. It's hard when you've been programmed into doing things, right? It's very hard. I spent over like close to 15 years doing the things that I was told to do with some autonomy, right? A little bit of autonomy, but like, so it's hard to decouple yourself from do I actually enjoy doing that or am I just good at it or am I conditioned this way, right? And that was, gosh, that took, I'm still doing that. I'm still uncoupling the things that I do, even on a daily basis that aren't of me that I've just been programmed to do. And so it can be just as simple as writing it down. What do I enjoy doing? Writing it down. What work excites you? What's a project that I was on with either for myself or with other people? That at the end of it, I was just like, man, we did it. Like, like we did, like we accomplished that. Like we, we solved that problem. We completed that thing. Well, what was it about it that was exciting? Oh, it was collaboration. Oh, it was partnering with somebody who had similar interests. Oh, it was focused on, you know, I don't know, some function, finance or marketing or, you know, consumer product goods or whatever, right? Like, and then go that direction. Like you might not be able to like put your finger on it, but you're, 
you're narrowing the scope, right? Like you're narrowing, what is it like a camera term, like the aperture, right? Like you're getting into focus. I'm getting, I'm close. I'm tightening my shock group. <laughs> like, like I'm in the general vicinity, right? Ah, it was over here somewhere. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go in this direction and hope that the, the funnel will close in a bit and I'll be able to put my finger on like, yep, that's it. That's what's exciting. We do career transition. We talk about transferable skills, right? Like, oh, you do it over here. You can do it over there too. The same concept. What are the things you like doing? And what are some areas in which you can do these things in? So yeah, I would, I would really just, it's, it's work. It doesn't have to be hard work. It can be fun work, but you got to just sit down and actually take an internal inventory of what do I enjoy doing and partnering with people who know you well and, and ask them for, for some feedback and insights into who you are and how you show up. That makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like your job as the head outreach officer gave you time to really sit down and think versus you know command or even time in grad school? Do you feel like those were the spaces or were there other times in which you kind of made that decision to really focus yeah. on development and fulfillment? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think the thing with outreach is, man, like, like Carl McDonald, just she let her, her outreach, like she let her leaders lead and manage their teams. Like I just, I am, I'm really grateful for that experience, having the autonomy to design and develop and create and hold the team accountable and hold myself accountable and know that at the end, it's like planting a seed and watering and hoping that it bears good fruit, right? Like that's what outreach, that's what that, that whole arm and outreach was, was you start with conversations with young adults and you're watering these seeds and you're nurturing them and you're just like, let's stay connected. And, and the, the, the goal is in a year, it'll bear the fruit. You'll be able to harvest. And, and then you get to see the numbers on the board. Like, okay, like I did this thing 18 months ago here's the outcome. And then you fast forward four years and they graduate and they go into the army and they do dope things, right? Like that made, that experience made me realize how important impact was for me and not credit. Like it's not, to me, it's not about the credit. It's we were able to bring in young people who were going to go out into the world and literally transform the the world like that's what they're that's what they're doing that's what they're going to do that's what we're doing right when folks brought us into the academy and that's what they did 20 years ago and there are people who are out here literally transforming the world that experience made me real like i have i have to have meaningful work i i cannot do i can't punch a clock i can't do nothing all day like i have to show up knowing that the the, the things that i'm doing even if it's just planting seeds, watering them for fruit that I'll never get to ever see bloom or, or show up or grow. For me, it's meaningful work. Um, and so West Point, that experience introduced me to that. I think what, what grad school did for me was it opened up my access to opportunities for life that I didn't even know existed. If not for graduate school, I wouldn't know what working in tech could be or what a consultant was or or I have a, a friend who um 
has his own like investment fund. Like I wouldn't know these things right without graduate school. And so it's it's just access to a diverse range of career paths, experiences, lifestyles, opportunities. So yeah, I think it's hard because when you when you say like when you, when you ask the question like okay, well, how do we create that for others or ensure that others have have that opportunity, right? And I think it's at a minimum get friends outside the military. Like find friends, find people who have similar interests than you that aren't in the military that you can talk about things that aren't centered on the military. And then you'll start to broaden your horizon. There are careers outside and and this is this is not a a dig or a shot, but there are opportunities outside of the military and working for the government that if you just talk to people or participate in programming, you'll get access and exposure to them. Very well said. Um, could you briefly explain to our, least, our listeners what Breakline is for those that don't know? Mm-hmm. So Breakline is... These are my words, not theirs. I think I think of it as, as the easy lane, the fast path to careers in tech. They are a company that partners with military veterans, women, and people of color to help them get opportunities in, in tech. And so the types of roles run the range from operations, sales, account management, account executive, product. For me, it was it was HR, customer facing roles. Um, so just the, it's like a you know it's an invitation to the to some exclusive tables that otherwise are a little a little challenging. To, if you're not already in that space and operating in that space, it can be hard to get a foot in that door. And so they're they're a door opener. Come on in, let's explore. Um, and they partner with like resume building, interview prep, helping you with that transition. And that, and if I remember correctly, they started out with the, they started out just with military veterans, like helping military vets transition from the military into careers in tech and have expanded to, to partner with women and people of color. Um, the founder, I, I believe she was a, um, she was at Stanford university. And I, I think she worked in admissions or career management. So I think that's where like part of what her background is. No, very well said. Um, and so you mentioned that you're kind of enjoying Hover, and this is kind of where you want to stay. Where do you see yourself going next? I, I think this is the the weird part about being like like a millennial, millennial, you know, Gen Xer is I like stability, and so I don't have like this like this pull to go you know pivot into something else right now, right? Like I'm. I'm I am on what I hope is uh, a rocket ship and I'm on for the ride for for the long haul for sure. And so I I see myself as, you know, obviously getting promoted within my company, being responsible for my own team of like HR professionals and supporting the organization. As our organization grows, like I expect like our our people team will grow and our scope will grow. I've been so head down and focused on like what's in front of me that I, someone's like, oh, what do you see yourself in a year, five years? Here? <laughs> I hope so. 
yeah, I'm trying to be one of those people in like, you know, 15 years, I write a book. It was just like, oh, I was one of the first like, you know, four or 500 employees at Hover. And now we're like a multi-billion dollar company with tens of thousands of employees. And, you know, I'm running like some division or something. I don't know. Yeah. I know that's a non-answer answer. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, you know, everyone's kind of like figuring out their own path. And then I think also, right, we've been on this track for so long where, you know, like you have to hit these paces to, you know, be a major, be a lieutenant colonel and so on and so forth. And you're like, now it's just like my own journey. Whatever path I want to take, I just yeah. like sitting here. I can do that too. Which I like. Yeah, I like, I like how you like, um, like synthesize that, right? Because it's literally that. It's like, I'm, t- I'm taking a walk. Like, I'm just, I'm just walking. I'm on a path. I'm, and it's not from like a, oh, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up anywhere. Like doom and gloom type of, I'm still very intentional with the things that I'm doing. Um, but it's in service of growing my career at Hover. Yeah, I like, I like not having checked these blocks, these boxes on this timeline, in this manner, at that location, with that leader. Um, no, this is just a lot more elbow room to breathe and grow. Test things out, see if it works. If it doesn't work, cool, let's go try that out. Um, that's really the space I'm operating in right now. No, thank you. All, all great things. And so in terms of your lessons learned in your transition or in your career discovery journey, were there any books or podcasts or blogs, websites that you're using? If so, what were they? Probably going to sound a little like corny and maybe a little woo-woo, but when I was stuck prior to going to back to Cornell to work there, uh, a classmate, um, Richard, recommended that I read The Alchemist. And I never read it before. I'm not sure if you're familiar. You're familiar. Yeah. And I never read it. I'm like, cool. Like, I'll, I'll get this book. Read it. It's pretty easy. It's easy to read. Simple, straightforward. And, you know, spoiler alert, like, the treasure's in you, right? Like, you have, you own it. Like, it's in you. Whatever it is you're seeking, whatever it is you're looking for, like, you already have it. You don't have to go looking for it, finding it. And so that was a book that was super important for me in terms of like podcasts like i'm a i'm a fan of of adam grant like his approach to leadership psychology and how people show up i'm also a huge fan of Brene brown and her focus on like talking about shame and blame and and figuring out like who who your true self is and of course like Oprah, anything that Oprah does, she's like my fairy godmother. And so in my mind, at least. Um, <laughs> um, so Super Soul Sundays, listening to her conversations with prominent leaders and spiritual leaders and and getting her journal and working through that. Like those are those are probably the and I know they're not like career focused. Well, made some examples. I cannot agree more. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ah. where I, I leaned heavy into <laughs> unpacking who I am, what I want to be in the world. <laughs> no, I think that's that's probably the most important piece of the journey. Sometimes I feel like people are like, yeah, just edit my resume. And I'm like, well, take a step back. Who are you and what do you really want to do? And yeah, I, for sure. And I think getting that take rather than the tactical steps is probably the most important piece that people miss. But it's also, that's the work, right? The resume, resume editing, that's, 
that's not the hard work. Like, you can pay somebody to do that. You're changing verbs from one verb to another. But actually doing the internal reflection, that's the work. So that way you don't spend your time interviewing for a role that when you start on day one, you're just like, this is not the role for me. (laughs) I don't want to be here. And you're already planning your exit strategy. Like, how do I get out of this job that I don't love? And I'm not saying every job has to be like this, like meaningful, deep, like, oh, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Like some, some jobs are launch pads to get you to where you're trying to go. And the hope is that you take some lessons and some learning and some growth from them on your journey to where it is you're looking to to end up. But yeah, you got to do the, if you, if you want fulfilling work, you got to do the internal work to figure out what is actually fulfilling to you. What is exciting? Cause on the days you got to do like me, I see Excel and I break out in hives like, ah, please don't <laughs> let me look at this spreadsheet, <laughs> please. Uh, please don't let me look, have to go through this data. Oh, turn the tables like ah. Um, but on those days when I'm doing the the tasks that don't give me energy, my cups are already full because I'm I'm already like every other day I'm doing the stuff that is just really exciting and and fills me up. So we got to do the we got to do the work, and doing the work means asking the questions and listening for the answers and the feedback, and and. You might hear some things that aren't easy. <laughs> that is that is very real. That is very real. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure any of your listeners could ask you, like, who is who was Natasha ten years ago? And that Natasha is not the same Natasha today, right? Like, because I had to hear some hard things and and really instead of running away from it, run towards it, unpack it a little bit and 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 start doing the work so I show up in a way that is more authentic, more real, more aligned and connected to who I am and who I want to be in the world versus who somebody else told me that I was supposed to be in order to be successful. You know, all amazing points. So kind of doing that soul searching to know what you're moving towards as opposed to what you're running from. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's looking back on your transition if you had to do it over again, you know, is there anything that you would change or do the same? That's always a hard question, right? Because like the things that happen to you are the reason why you are where you are today. And so maybe my answer is to just, I don't know, maybe just be in, maybe just be in gratitude of the 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 lessons that that I had to learn, the experiences that were necessary for me to go through and in gratitude for the leaders who just like modeled the behavior that I wanted to emulate. So I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change anything. I think, I mean, maybe, maybe I changed one thing. Maybe I would, I would have been more open and receptive to feedback when I was younger in the military, coming up in the military as a young, um, I'll be like arrogant, like lieutenant, like just actually taking in the feedback, processing the feedback, learning and growing from that. Probably could have prevented myself from being in at the receiving end of of some some tough conversations if I was a little more like open. But I also think that that's just a part of 
it's just a part of the growth journey. Like the experiences allowed me to to show up with way more humility and openness and acceptance and excitement towards feedback that then if I had not experienced some of those situations that I don't think I'd be a, a, as great of a partner professionally as I am now without having learned some like some some, some tough had to learn lessons as a younger professional for sure. Makes sense. So probably like a bit more tactical, it sounds like in terms of like your terminal assignment and your army exit, you recommend having assignments where you have time and space to really think about what you want to do. Oh yeah. Versus like, you know, if you were in a force commer on the line, the op temple probably wouldn't give you the time and space or leadership to really think about your next move or how you make that happen. Absolutely um, not. And then also like location, I guess, right? You you were in, you know, West Point isn't far from New York City and like traveling around if you want to check some things out. Um, yeah. Army installations are like that. You tend to be in the sticks somewhere. So yeah, true. say location, you know, is also pretty helpful, you know, in figuring out that next move as well. Yeah. And discipline. Like you have to be, you have, you cannot make these decisions in haste, right? Like when folks say it takes a year to transition, it takes a year, it takes about a year to transition. Well, because you have to do research. It's not enough to just say, oh, that job pays X amount of dollars. That's what I want to do. Like, oh, I'm trying to make that much money. Like, no, like you actually have to go like build a resume. Do you have skills that are transferable? Do you need to go to graduate school? Do you need to take a quick, you know, online free course to get a skill that maybe you don't have? Do you need to partner with someone to get a mentor or someone to sponsor you, you know, trying to transition into the space you want to go into? Like, it takes time to to build connection and to talk to people, to iterate on your resume, to do a job search, to go through career transition planning. Like, everyone doesn't enjoy, you know, the Army um, transition process, but there's a lot of good tools. One of them is translating your military service into civilian plane speak. Like, I love that tool. Like I just type AG and it's like, Oh, here's some job titles. Oh, here are the, tra- like here are the transferable skills. You know what I mean? Like to do it well, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to commit to it. You've got to take time and no, don't just get caught up in, Oh, I got to get a job with X amount of dollars. But like, building out a map over a 12 month period of time of, okay, for January, I'm going to focus on, you know, putting my resume in plain English and find a friend who is not in the military to read it. <laughs> so they can say, well, what the hell is this? What does that mean? Cause even people in the military were still like programmed, right? Like, Oh, I know what that means. doesn't matter. If you know what that means. If the, the automated talent system doesn't pick it up or if the, recruiter doesn't understand what it means right so to do it well you just gotta be committed to taking if you have the opportunity to right to take the 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 nine to 12 months to map out a plan and to stay disciplined with doing the things so you can set yourself up for success instead of doing it in haste or to your point when you're deployed like very hard to focus when you're managing mission requirements and trying to get your life together. Like it's, it's very challenging. So yeah, for sure. Like taking some space, some headspace, breathe, think, come back to it in a week or two, think about it some more, 
being very disciplined about the transition process will help set you up for success for sure. And you'll, you won't have that, that anxiousness around, oh, I got to get something now, or I'm going to be without job, without money, because that is a very real, a real thing. So um, got to be disciplined. How did you navigate like the benefit space? Because usually between the timeline and dealing with the VA and all the other agencies that vary by state, it can it can be a lot. How did you think about that? I am still trying to figure it out. Like it's way more complicated than I think it should be. I'm not advocating it for anybody. I mean, I ended up partnering with with a firm to help me with my VA stuff because just so overwhelmed by like just the sheer amount of stuff. And then you realize that, you know, were you really set up for success when you're not feeling well or if something hurts that you don't go to sick call, that you don't go get it checked out, that you don't go get it documented and you fast forward and this thing hurts you and you can't point to a piece of paper about the, the start of when it started hurting you, right? Because when you're young, you're just like, oh, take a motor and keep it pushing. But when you're on the near side of 40, <laughs> motor ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah you um, you so yeah, definitely seeking people who've gone through the process before and getting their recommendations on, on how they navigated it. That's my recommendation there because it is, it's, it's challenging, difficult. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, kind of the last couple of points I had. Can you talk about navigating that journey, especially with multiple identities? You know, not as a black, mm-hmm. woman, and how not only that manifests in kind of your transition process, but also in kind of translating those skills and value into the civilian sector, where sometimes those identities may have, I guess, be be viewed differently depending on the setting that you go into, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. I mean, I I would share in in like groups that I was in, you know, with like black female you know, West Pointers, for example, that we are uni- we're unicorns. We are like there are I think three hundred and some odd of us walking the planet, right? Like there aren't that many of us. And so we are capable, smart, brilliant leaders, operators, strategists, who who just so happen to be Black, who just so happen to be female. And that's the icing, right? Like, I think it's sometimes folks lead with it or, oh, you know, this helps us with our, makes us look diverse or helps us with our numbers that don't exist. Um, but I, I used to, for a very long time, view it as a crutch, as a hindrance, and have switched it a couple years ago to like, no, like this what makes this is what makes me unique. Like, I can do the same things as as this person over here, and I also have this experience, and I also have this lens that you don't have, and. And that's a superpower. Like for me, that's that's my superpower. And so I stopped using it as crutch or as an excuse. And instead, it's it it's that's my superpower. Like 
on paper, I look like my peers and then you see me and I don't. And that is a good thing. Um, and so I've, I've been able to leverage that very much more comfortably now as I've gotten older than I, I was in my youth where I used to not talk about it or not acknowledge it or pretend like it didn't exist. And instead of doing that, just very proudly, um, standing in my skin and, um, just am uh, encouraging women who look like me to do the same. So it can feel like that when you're the only one in a room, but my perspective is like, I'm here. So maybe I can bring in another one or two or someone else, or maybe somebody sees me and gets excited and inspired because they're like, Oh, well, she's there. I can do that too. Or, you know, so my hope is that, there might be things happening or impact happening that I'm not even aware of just because I'm physically present in a space and in a room and someone catches a glimpse or a glance of me being there. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. I think just my advice is it's a superpower and not a, not a crutch, not a hindrance, not in your way. And, and I say that understanding contextually right like that we are underpaid on like on average like on average making less there are barriers i mean hell we have to have laws that say that lots are legal like i say that given all of that context so i want to be sure be very clear that i'm not being dismissive of my appearance and how i'm different but that i have learned to leverage my difference to get me places that I want to go. Unabashed, like without fear of retribution, without fear of, of how I might be categorized, because I know that I'm adding value to organizations that I'm in because there are not a lot of people who are like me. I'm, I'm more difficult to replace <laughs> than others may be. Okay. <laughs> No, that's all real. That's all real. And do you feel like that confidence came as a matter of this overall maturity in time or time in the civilian sector? Kind of what was that driver? Like, I've come into my own. This is who I am. And like, yeah, it is. For sure. Um, and I think it's having have people pour into me, advocates pour into me, mentors, sponsors pour into me, people who've helped play a role in helping me navigate figuring out how do I exist authentically in spaces that weren't designed for me. Yeah. Just, uh, just growing and understanding that like advocacy for me, advocacy shows up and, and, and activism shows up in the wide spectrum of ways. Right. And so that I'm also playing a role in dismantling systems and also have a responsibility to show up for myself. And I think in doing that, then I end up being able to show up and create space for others. Natasha, we really appreciate the time. I feel like you gave us some great points. Can you tell our listeners, like, if they want to follow you or what other, you know, what social media channels you're on, if you're open to connect with our listeners, and yeah. then if there are any like company or initiatives that you're working on or side hustles that you want to share with our listeners as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Natasha Clinton. Um, pretty straightforward. I work at Hover, so it shouldn't be that hard to find me. I mean, I'm not really 
don't really dabble on social media like that. I post things of my children on like Instagram. So if you want to follow me on Instagram at Tosh1908, like have at it. <laughs> um, no, I'm not really doing anything on this. I mean, I still do some coaching for Cornell, but other than that, like I'm, I'm in it with, with Hover, hanging out with my, my broke roommates, William and Joy. And we're just out here just <laughs> trying to do the good Lord's work. There it is. There it is. Well, no, again, thanks for having it. me. It was great. Most definitely. Appreciate the time. <laughs>